Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross and it is time for a preview of the first clay event of the year, Monte Carlo 2022, one of the most beautiful and unique venues on the entire ATP Tour, Masters 1000, 56 player singles draw. So we're back to the little teeny tiny draw where every match is pretty much good, especially once you get to round number two. And uh, it's always a good time, and an action-packed month begins now. This also means French Open Power Rankings. And it is time to reveal the first French Open Power Rankings of the year. Now, usually I go into depth and a little bit more analysis, but, you know, it's just the first of the year, so I'm going to quickly kind of reveal it, go through every player very quickly. I don't want to jump into it because at the end of the day, your spot in the French Open Power Rankings is earned with form uh, throughout the clay season and impressive results. And and right now we're just going off past results, which you know is is not really the purpose of the French Open Power Rankings. However, to give ourselves a framework moving forward, French Open Power Rankings reveal coming up. As a refresher, this is what it was. Going into Roland Garros 2021, you had Nadal first, Djokovic second, Titipas third, Zverev fourth. Now, that was the semifinals at RG. So, French Open Power Rankings, a little bit prophetic in that sense. However, none of those were particularly bold picks. By the way, the French Open Power Rankings, it's not meant for bold picks. Again, spots are earned. Okay, no, no one is getting the these uh, spots in the power rankings handed out to them. They have to earn it. Uh, number five was Dominic Team. I I put him too high. Too much faith in him. Casper uh, Ruud at number six. He disappointed with that round three loss to uh, to eight, uh, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. Berrettini came in at seven. Rublev at eight. Karatsev at nine. Sinner at ten. And then just missing that top 10 was Diego Schwartzman, Daniil Medvedev, who ended up making the quarters, Pablo Carreño Busta, and Roger Federer, who didn't actually lose, uh, but pulled out before his match against Berrettini. Wild times, reminiscing. Okay, it is April 8th, 2022. These are the updated French Open power rankings, the first of the clay season. I'm again I'm not going to do the one by one reveal that I usually do because just to start this out, it's not that deep. Here it is. Injured players are not eligible. Nadal, Berrettini, Team and Medvedev are not eligible for this edition of the power rankings. When they come back and they're ready to play, they will go into the rankings. So Novak Djokovic, the Defending Roland Garros champion comes in at number one. Stefano Tsitsipas at number two, who has consistently been a elite tier one player on clay, has struggled over the course of the last 10 months since the clay season ended. It's time for him to show us once again that he belongs in this spot and that he still has it and he's still a contender for the biggest titles on this surface. Carlos Alcaraz at number three, the best player in the Sunshine Double, and you would think that... Moving to the clay courts would either enhance Alcaraz's game or, at the very least, he can maintain what we saw over the course of March. So Alcaraz comes in at number three. Kasparud at number four. He's made the semis of Rome. He's made the semis of Monte Carlo. He's made the semis 
of Madrid as well. The missing piece for Rude is to pick up some of those big signature wins and to have that run at Roland Garros, which he hasn't been able to do. Yannick Sinner comes in at number five, had a bunch of tough draws, lost to Nadal a bunch last year. Um, but I, I think he's been pretty good in 2022. He struggled with injury and illness and misfortune, but he's got a great win-loss record and he's looking pretty strong to me. I like how he's carrying himself on the court mentally. Sinner likes the clay. He comes in at number five. At number six is Alexander Zverev. He's had a terrible 2022, but the track record on clay, a handful of Masters 1000 titles on clay to his name. He'll be the defending champion at Madrid, comes in at number six. Also, a couple of times, I think, semifinalist at Roland Garros. Cameron Norrie comes in at number seven. He made two clay court finals last year. Didn't play great in one of them. Lost to Albert Ramos Vinolas. Lost to Tsitsipas easily in the other one. But, you know, that's enough for me. I think he's stronger. I think he's hitting his forehand bigger. And I think the clay will do some intriguing things to his game. Nori at number seven. Andre Rublev at number eight. Now, I could understand, just looking at this, maybe Rublev could be higher. And I, I will admit, maybe he should be higher. I just don't really like what Clay does to his game. Takes away that first serve plus one potency, and he's got to just prove it to me that other than that run to the Monte Carlo final, and he'll be defending those points this week, he's got to prove to me that he can be successful outside of that one run where uh, I, I just I got to see more. Uh, let's see what happens with Rublev, who has been decent. Obviously had that great run post-Australia, but wasn't able to really parlay that. Um, well, wait, he was he was good in Indian Wells too. But, um, you know, so yeah, Rublev, he, things are looking a little bit more positive for him as of late. Uh, Diego Schwartzman at number nine. Hasn't, uh, another player, hasn't been very good um, this season. However, 2020 was one of the best players on clay. Was great in Rome and making the uh, Roland Garros semifinal. And uh, last year had a terrible clay court season um, until the French. And then he kind of pulled it together. So Schwartzman off of track record last couple years, I guess all things considered, he's been pretty strong. So he lands at number nine. Uh, Felix Oje Aliassim coming in at number 10. The MVP of January was playing great tennis to start the season. Completely fell off. 0-2. Uh, actually, 0-3, right? Because he lost in Marrakech as well. I, I don't know what happened, but, you know, also I don't love him on clay either. He gets to be at number 10. Again, kind of riding the coattails of the strong start that he had, but certainly on the hot seat right now. And then next out, you have Miramir Ketsmanovic. Tremendous sunshine double for him. Went deep in both Indian Wells and Miami. I do think he, I, I think he likes the clay. I think he's solid on clay. Pablo Carreño Busta is also in the next out category. He had his best year ever of his career last season on clay. Not a, never feels like a huge threat to be completely honest, but he, he falls in that next out category. And then two players, uh, Taylor Fritz, fifth in the race. So I'm giving him that respect. Not expecting much here in Monte Carlo. Let's see, can he stay in that top eight? By the end of clay court season, I'm curious to see if he can do that. Then Riley Opelka, Rome semifinalist. He actually likes clay. Uh, 
Obviously, when players come back from injury, that's going to put a lot of pressure on these next out guys. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. But the high bounce, nasty kick serve, can stay in a rally. Opelka, pretty good on clay, even though maybe you wouldn't profile him as such. He is in the Houston final uh, this week, so we do have some some results in in favor of Opelka here. Uh, not Again, not that that's the craziest field in the world as far as clay courts are concerned. With all that said, let's get to this Monte Carlo preview. Uh, here is your thumbnail. The man in the thumbnail is Novak Djokovic, who is making his return. I know he, it, I know he returned in Dubai, but it, it, that was like a fake return. It didn't feel felt like a very random tournament in the middle of nothing, in isolation, and now he's actually building up to a major, which is really what it's all about at this point. So this feels like the real return of Novak Djokovic here in Monte Carlo, uh, and let's break down his quarter. As the number one seed, Carlos Alcaraz, number eight seed, opposite Djokovic. Taylor Fritz is in here, and Roberto Bautista Agut is in here. My dark horse is Nunn slash David Gaffan. I mean, I want to shout out David Gaffan. He, his ranking has been nosediving really since the pandemic. And he's only 31 years old. He's not really old enough, especially in modern tennis, to just fall off the map completely. So I keep waiting for things to click with him. He's in the Marrakech final, which does not bode well for Monte Carlo, for being honest. Gafan has had some fitness issues in the last two years, and he's not someone who I really think is a prime candidate to bounce back after playing a full week of tennis. But I, I put him in this dark horse category to shout him out. Now, I want to say, this is a bad, bad quarter of unseeded players. There is really no one catching my eye here to a uh, to, to much of a, an extent here. You have um, you have Davidovic, Fokina, or Giron to play Djokovic in round two. I do like Davidovic, Fokina when he puts it together, which is not all that often. But when he does, I think he's got a lot of talent. I mentioned Gafan. You have Dan Evans in there who is defending uh, semifinal points, right? After beating Novak. I think he parlayed that into a run to the semifinal. I don't know if he's... Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to defend those points. Uh, he plays Bautista Gut round one. You have the wild card from Monaco, Lucas Katarina, in here to play Taylor Fritz. You have Joe Wilfred Sanga, another wild card, who is not going to be threatening at this stage. You have Marin Cilic, who on the slowest court in the world is not going to be a threat. You have Sebastian Corda, who has not been impressive to me this year for the most part, besides almost beating Nadal in uh, at Indian Wells. And you have Botik van de Zanskop, who I'm still trying to figure out if he's going to be a factor on clay. I don't, I'm not really anticipating that it's going to suit his game. No one here I'm thrilled about. And now you look at the, the seeded players outside of Djokovic and Alcaraz. You have Taylor Fritz, who's coming from Houston, which is terrible. You don't want to come from Houston, okay? If you're playing Houston, that's a bad sign for Monte Carlo. Terrible jet lag, and you're, you know, you're playing the week before, and, I mean, Fritz, 
it's it's just not a great spot for him with all the tennis he's played combined with the fact that he played Houston. If he really wanted to do well at Monte Carlo, shouldn't have played Houston. But, you know, obviously American tournament, that's where the priority is at. For Taylor, uh, I'm not so high on him coming into this this event. RBA has really struggled here. This court is way too slow for him. I don't think that he is going to challenge Djokovic as much as he has challenged Djokovic. Even at, at the French, they've played some tough matches, but they've played some tough matches at you know Wimbledon. RBA has beaten him at Doha. These are much different courts, and I do think that Novak is going to have a much easier time on this court, I would think, but you, you never know because uh, I do, you know, Novak has struggled here as well for a couple of reasons. All this to say, I would be surprised if we do not get Djokovic versus Alcaraz in the quarterfinal. I think we're going to get it. I just do not see a lot of names in here that look like names that are going to stop this from happening. So I have this in the quarterfinal, and I have Alcaraz getting through Novak Djokovic. Let me talk about Novak for a second and Monte Carlo. If you remember, I did not pick him to make the semifinals last year either. I don't like this tournament for him. I probably never will for the rest of his career. Most of that is because I feel like the way Djokovic will, uh, from a fitness standpoint, look to peak in about five weeks from now for young Novak, it didn't matter, and he's won this twice, I think 2013 and 2015. That is back when Novak could be in peak physical condition throughout the entire calendar. With age, Djokovic has obviously not maintained that, should not, and cannot maintain that, and we are far out from the French here, and I never felt like Djokovic really brought his peak physical condition to Monte Carlo, not to mention it is windy. Novak does not play that great in wind, and it is unbelievably slow. It is much slower than the French, in my opinion. It is much slower than Madrid and Rome. It's next level slow, and I do think that challenges Djokovic a little bit more. So Carlos, with all the confidence that, that he has, the last thing I'll say about this is the advantage that Djokovic would have against Alcaraz um, is mainly this, you know, a serve return edge. Spot serving definitely would get more out of his serve. On a court this low, the, this is a terrible court for serves. You're not going to get much purchase out of your first serve on this court. That evens the playing field in one of Djokovic's biggest advantage. That serve return dynamic it's not going to be that important on this court. They're going to play a lot of rallies. There's going to be a lot of returns in play. You're going to get a lot of neutral play. That's going to give Carlos the best chance to beat Novak. So all of these factors, I think, point to this being a good spot for Alcaraz. Not to mention, it is a player coming off a hiatus. You never know how that's going to uh, play a uh, play a role. So, man, you know, most conditions here, I'd pick Novak. Most tournaments at this stage, I'd pick Novak. This feels like an Alcaraz spot if this happens. Let us move on now to Kasparud's quarter. And I, I hope we see that. Man, that would be fun. Kasparud is the number four seed. He gets Cam Nori, Hubert Hercoc, and Nicholas Basilashvili. 
My dark horses here are Talon Greekspoor. Greekspoor uh, won like six titles on the Challenger Tour last year. Hasn't really translated. And I was kind of like, I've always kind of wondered why um, Why has the tour level been such a block for Greekspoor? And one theory might be most of his action at ATP level has been on hardcore. And a lot of that success on the Challenger Tour has been on clay. Now, don't get me wrong, it's been across all surfaces, but he has some very impressive wins last year on clay. Uh, he's a dark horse for me. I'm wondering, with his ranking where it's at heading into clay court season, I feel like maybe Greek Sport, this could be the time he makes some noise. Not sure. Grigor Dimitrov has had success at this event as well. Always a dangerous, unseated player at his favorite venues, as we saw at Indian Wells. Hubert Hercotch is upset alert. Again, if you are a player who is going to rely a lot on your serve, this is not the tournament for you. Uh, Hercotch is not going to get as much out of the serve as he would like, and he's really struggled on clay because he struggles to generate pace and weight of shot from the baseline and sustain aggression unless he comes to net. We we all know that on a, on a surface like this, if you don't bring baseline power it's going to be even difficult to get up there in an effective manner. Um, so Hercotch Monfils, round one early popcorn. I do think if Hercotch is able to get through Gil Monfils, I think he will be also threatened by Pedro Martinez. My hunch is that Martinez beats Hugo Umber in round one. So if Hercotch is not upset by Monfils, I feel like Martinez could do, do the job as well in round two. Uh, Rude gets Karatsev round two. Uh, Aslan just, I mean, yeah, I, Karatsev just hasn't given given me enough consistent results. But that, he also could have been a, a candidate to be a dark horse. We know what he can do if he's not missing, if he's not racking up unforced errors. His game is incredibly potent, offensively overwhelming. It's just more often than not, as of late, the only thing overwhelming has been the unforced error count. So this is another quarter where I do think the seeds have a good chance at making the, the quarterfinal. And I have Casper Rude defeating Cameron Nori. Look, I'm expecting a big clay season from Rude. I'm high on him. I think he's he's just looking more and more confident mentally. The serve is on point nowadays, especially the second serve, the kick serve. Uh, he gets He's going to get tons of forehands on a surface this slow. He made the semifinals last year. I think he's going to do it again. And when it comes to this specific head-to-head, -head, Rude versus Nori, it's already 2-0 Rude. They keep playing. They've played twice on hard courts. And, man, it, you wouldn't think that Clay would tip the scales towards Nori. If anything, um, we might, you know, if anything, it would favor Rude even more. Moving on to Stefano Tsitsipas's quarter, Tsitsipas, FAA, Schwartzman, and Sinego. My, oh, whoops, didn't mean to change it there. My dark horse here is Lorenzo Musetti. I don't feel great about that. Musetti has not been, I mean, look, he's been average. He's played about 500 ball in 2022, which is much better than he can say post-French Open last year, where he was struggling to even win a match. He's kind of been, you know, at least he's stabilized. And now the question is, has Musetti been kind of a, I don't know, 
mid, I'll, I'll call him middling, a, a middling ATP level player in 2022. Has he been that guy because that's who he is right now? Or has he been that guy because he's been playing on hardcore? And from the very first time Musetti came up, I think it was very clear he was going to have some struggle, uh, going to have some trouble adjusting to other surfaces back on super, super slow clay. And he's shown enough results that I think it warrants a spot in the dark horse position. Although, um, oh, and uh, FAA is his seed. FAA is my dark horse, uh, sorry, my upset alert. So that also gives me even more inclination to put Musetti in the dark horse. I I would be less inclined to do so if he had, let's say, Stefano Tsitsipas. Um, but FAA, someone who is just reeling right now. And again, someone who relies on their first serve and finishing points quickly. Not going to happen on, on this surface. It's windy. It's it's tough to serve. You, you have to grit it out. You have to be consistent and play some long rallies in Monte Carlo. FAA is... Uh, is not someone who is uh, is probably ready to do that. And uh, you'd think the bleeding is going to stop at some point, but upset alert right now for FAA, who comes off of, I think, either three straight losses or three losses in the last four. I'm not sure if he won a match in Marrakesh or not off the top of my head. Uh, early popcorn Schwartzman versus Hatchinov round one. Seems like it could be good. Seems like it could be fun. I favor Diego Schwartzman. Which brings me to my quarterfinal prediction, where I do have Tsitsipas defeating Diego Schwartzman. Schwartzman took out Tsitsipas earlier this year in uh, ATP Cup. That was Tsitsipas's first match of 2022. I would not expect the same result as Tsitsipas is just a kind of an overpowering uh, version of. D I, I shouldn't say that. That's not. That's not true. But um, yeah, Tsitsipas lot a lot more muscle than Diego. And um, I think the forehand controls play. The forehand and the transition game controls play in in that scenario. Although, you know, Diego makes things tough. He's going to get a lot of balls back. Tsitsipas' I, I, shot tolerance doesn't really concern me, though, at this stage either. I think he's looking in shape, and I think he's ready to, to flip the script. I really do. If I'm predicting here, he flips the script on what has been a very difficult last 10 months. I said on my mailbag, he is three and seven against top 20 players since that uh, final in Paris. We move on now to Alexander Zverev's quarter. This to me is the best quarter in the draw. I think all four seeds are threatening. I don't think that any of the other quarters can really say that, but Zverev, Rublev, Sinner, PCB, would any of them be shocking semifinalists at a mass at a clay court masters? No. So this is a very deep quarter and the unseated players are not too shabby. Um, or sorry, I, I take that back. I'm not remembering correctly. Uh, the unseated players, no one really caught my eye. Actually. Um, you have Christian Garin who again is coming from a deep run in Houston. I don't love that born a Chorich clay, not the surface for Chorich. Vavrinka gets a wild card. Bublik is in there. Del Bonis has some clay court results. Demonor can't stand this stuff. 
Uh, now, there are one, two, three, four qualifiers who are going into this quarter, and there's a reason why I put qualifier question mark as a dark horse. The reason is, you know, one thing about these previews in these 56-player draws is that some of these qualifiers are tremendous, and it, it hurts my heart a little bit sometimes to make these previews before the qualifiers come in because undoubtedly some of them would be slotted in the dark horse spot because these are really, really good players qualifying in these 56-player draws. The one that I think I want to highlight is Jaume Munar. I think if Munar wins tomorrow and he's in the main draw, he is almost undoubtedly someone who I would put as my dark horse. He is playing some of the best defense in the world right now. Now, is he limited? Yes, absolutely. But, I, I mean, he is covering the court and getting more balls back in play than literally as much as anyone in the world. He is on... He is on quite the level defensively, so he is a dark horse for me. I mean, if it's the wrong matchup, good luck, with, because I, I expect Munar to make some noise this clay court season. Uh, upset alert is Alexander Zverev. Uh, he does not like it here in Monte Carlo. It's too damn slow. Again, uh, someone who, who wants to get purchase out of a big first serve, struggles to do that. Uh, career record in Monte Carlo, 8-5. and five. Um. So obviously that combined with the form that he has been at the start of the season, that is enough for me to slot him in the upset alert. Uh, looking at the draw, uh, plays the winner of a qualifier and Del Bonus. You have Pablo Carreño Busta though as a potential round three meeting where I think I think Busta would have a good chance at Zverev there. Uh, early popcorn, the return of Stan Wawrinka. Welcome back, Stan Wawrinka, playing the ever-entertaining Alexander Bublik. Don't have much to say about the match. See how that plays out. That is early popcorn. Quarterfinal, Yannick Sinner is the player who I, um, and I actually have Zverev to the quarterfinal. Maybe I would change that to PCB. I don't know. Point is, I like Sinner here. I do like Sinner over Rublev. Um, in the top half of this section, there's no doubt about that. Again, I'm um, feeling pretty good about Sinner here. He is an Italian. Uh, Italians get a lot of support here. Sinner has been enjoying crowd support. He has been using it to his advantage. He's been using that to play with energy and fire and passion. And hopefully he's got some rest because he's just between illness and blisters he just, uh, and then I, I almost feel like, I feel like something happened in Australia too, although I'm a little bit fuzzy. Uh, Sinner's just had a lot of misfortune, but he is playing decent tennis. Oh, he, he got smoked by, by Tsitsipas in Australia. Uh, he's playing decent tennis. I know he has kind of lost, uh, he lost to Hercotch and Tsitsipas. Um, so he kind of does lack quality wins this year. I mean, you know, you could call Nick Kyrgios a quasi-quality win in Miami. Uh, he did beat Carreño Busta in Miami, but I actually feel like he just hasn't been at his best. Uh, and I, I, he's just been toughing out a lot of wins, which to me, it's just, it's been impressive to me. That That's important to be able to win not at your best, but hopefully we do get center at his best, and I do think he makes the semi. So my final weekend here, Alcaraz... Defeats Kasparud in three sets. Tsitsipas defeats Yannick Sinner 
in three sets. And Alcaraz defeats Tsitsipas in three sets. I thought, I thought about that. Uh, I, um, you know, what is a bridge too far for Carlos? Can he win back to back? He's beaten Tsitsipas twice. I, you know, I don't see a lot of reason that the matchup favors Tsitsipas, particularly uh, in in a in a bigger way on this surface necessarily. I mean, maybe he hits less backhands. Maybe he uh, has less trouble absorbing the pace on the backhand side. But I look. I mean. It's a tough call. I'm just gonna ride Alcaraz at the moment. I do think that. I do think, physically, I'm not worried about him. Mentally, I'm not worried about him. Really slow surface where there's gonna be a lot of neutral rallies. Sure, uh, I back him. And you know, after having him go through Novak Djokovic, um, I, I almost feel like if he does that. He's going to have a lot of momentum behind him. Um, anyway, here are my contenders. My main contenders to win this. Alcaraz, obviously, is my pick. Tsitsipas, I think, can win it. And Djokovic. I think Djokovic would be my third favorite to win it after Alcaraz and Tsitsipas. So although he doesn't make the final weekend, that just that's just a matter of him being in Alcaraz's quarter. And I am high on Rudin Sinner, of course, who I have coming through. So should be a fun one. There will be um, a video from me about um, on Charleston with Sophie Amiak. We're going to talk a little bit WTA. After that, there will not be a video until Friday. Um, coverage will will pick up on Friday, Saturday, and then obviously um, the preview of the final on Sunday. All right, talk to you then. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time.